In this episode, I speak with founder and CEO of Made With Local, Sheena Russell. Made With Local is a health snacks company based in Nova Scotia. Key points addressed were Sheena's launch of Made With Local and the ethos behind the company culture and brand. We also discussed her incredible efforts to keep Made With Local sustainable, responsible, made locally with local ingredients, and filled with good intentions and love. Stay tuned for my awesome chat with Sheena Russell. My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series contains interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts regardless of age, status, or industry. We aim to contribute to the evolving global dialogue surrounding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our subsequent series that dive deep into specific areas such as vegan life, fasting, and roundtable topics. They can be found via our website, patriciacathleen.com, where you can also join our newsletter. You can also subscribe to all of our series on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. everyone and welcome back. I'm your host Patricia and today we are sitting down with Sheena Russell. Sheena is the founder and CEO of Made With Local. You can find out more about it and our conversation about everything we unpack today at www.madewithlocal.ca. Welcome Sheena. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk to you and unpack everything. For everyone listening, I will give you a brief bio on Sheena before I start peppering her with questions. But prior to that, a roadmap for today's podcast, just so for those of you that are new can kind of follow along and realize um, where we're kind of pulling all of our inquiries from. We'll first look at unpacking um, Sheena's academic and professional background. And then we'll turn straight to unpacking Made With Local. And we'll first look at the logistics and then turn some of our inquiry towards the ethos and the philosophy behind the company, which it pulls heavily from um, it being a B Corp and things of that nature. And then we'll turn towards goals and plans that Sheena has both for herself and Made With Local moving forward for the next one to three years. This is an area that has changed greatly with a lot of people with the most recent COVID-19 pandemic upon us. And then we'll wrap everything up with goals um, or advice that Sheena may have for those of you who are looking to get involved, maybe emulate some of her success. Um, and okay, so before we get started, a quick bio on Sheena. Sheena Russell is founder and CEO of Made With Local, a health snacks company based in Nova Scotia. What started as a farmer's market table in 2012 has grown into a nationally distributed brand known for delicious real food bars and their innovative social impact production model. You can find Made With Locals products in a thousand retailers across um, all across Canada. So again, their website is www.madewithlocal.ca. So Sheena, prior to, or before we jump into kind of unpacking Made With Local, and I love it, I like, um, I really kind of climbed through all of the aspects of your website and I can't wait to kind of pepper you with questions, but before we get to that, I was hoping you could kind of describe your academic and professional background prior to launching the company. Sure. So I, I grew up in PEI, um, born and raised rural Prince Edward Island girl. Uh, and out of high school, I did one year at the University of Prince Edward Island and then 
recognize that it kind of felt like high school 2.0, <laughs> you know, that kind of yeah. home hometown university and yeah. uh, applied to go to Dalhousie University here in Halifax and got accepted, which was really exciting because I was one of the first people in my, you know, pretty large extended family to go off island for post-secondary. So got accepted into Dal to do um, a Bachelor of Science with a focus in environmental uh, sustainability. So that was perfectly in line with you know, my passion as even as a kid, you know, I've always been really sustainability and, um, you know, environmentally conscious as, as minded, even as a, you know, 10 year old. So that was always my path, right? I, uh, I ended up at Dow to do a bachelor's degree and then pretty quickly moved into a, a great job as for a young person, especially after having just graduated uh, in, a, in a government uh, municipal position doing education for the city of Halifax's recycling program. So it was kind of like felt like the jackpot of the time. And, uh, and yeah, so that was, that was the job that I was working when I started Made With Local as uh, a side hustle. Nice. So I'm wondering, even though, the, the, you know, and, and we'll get into the ethos and how much that really does unite with this like recycling education program that you, sounds like you just started with, but it seems like entrepreneurship is not just necessarily a, a progressional step in a lot of people's lives. It's this kind of different trait that one has to have. Starting through farmers markets, we've talked to a couple of companies over the past three years um, that have really gotten their footing in farmers markets. And I think it's an area that a lot of people who start with a product-based um, startup don't realize is like this wonderful nesting place, at least in the mm -hmm. United States. I don't know how much it varies in Canada. I have not been to a Canadian farmers market, but it's this great place where you get this um, culmination of um, testing, immediate feedback. You know, there's, there's all of these very quick things that larger companies or companies that don't have access to their consumers or their customers get at a farmer's market. And I'm wondering, when you started, did you intend on going beyond the farmer's market or did you just want to bring a product to farmer's market? Yeah, I completely agree with you in that the farmer's markets are like the ultimate CPG incubator, right? <laughs> and I, I can't imagine having started a brand without having the invaluable experience of being a farmer's market table for two years because, you know, you get to test your pricing. You get to literally see your customers with your own two eyeballs and hear how, you know, what questions they have about the product and what flavors they tend to gravitate to and how many they buy at a time. And it's just like so juicy. <laughs> and, but at the time I didn't realize what was happening, right? It's all hindsight for me uh, at the time. I 100% was just like, this is just this fun little thing that I'm doing on the yeah. side. And it felt, um, it felt, you know, really um, comfortable, right? And it was definitely tons of work, but not having, not ever imagining that I was going to be an entrepreneur as a kid and, and a young adult, like I, I couldn't, yeah, I really just couldn't even fathom how far this company um, has gone in those really early days. Like every step we took from the farmer's market into uh, wholesale relationships with cafes and, and some small grocery stores, every single um, step felt monumental. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, it still feels like that sometimes today, even being in a thousand stores coast to coast. But um, the intention was not right off the get-go to get huge. But now I look back and I, I cherish those farmer's market days because they just were so important. Yeah, well, and, and probably for the better. 
I think that the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs, and I do love dreaming big, and so there is that other side of it, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, particularly of latter day, like they tend to be like, you know, it's it's a 1.2 million gross, you know, it's it, this these great, huge dreams, but it seems like everything underneath that is depressing or, mm. or, or less than. And so this idea that you had that you were just kind of going to keep going and, and celebrating every small success along the way sounds like a happier route, maybe. Um, definitely more Canadian. I, I have a few <laughs> new Canadian friends that sound very like, I like that kind of optimism. Um, I want to start unpacking it now since we've kind of hinted all around it and we've got into made with local. So my interest in, um, so in the beginning for all the like nerdy little founders listening out there, can you get into the logistics of the, when was it founded? Um, and did you have co-founders? Did you bootstrap? Did you take funding? And um, what products did you launch with? Sure. So we started in 2012. And when I say we, I co-founded the company with a friend at the time. She was also working for the municipality of Halifax here. So we were work buddies that turned into co-founders. And uh, she she became pregnant with her first child pretty early on in the business. So, and I, at that point, had been fully bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. So pretty early on in the life of the company, I, I started moving more into like a primary founder role. Mm-hmm. Um, we launched at the Halifax Seaport Farmers Market with four SKUs, well, I didn't even call them SKUs at the time, four flavors of bars <laughs> that were made with local ingredients. So Canadian grown oats, honey from a local supplier, Canadian made nut and seed butters, you know, cranberries, blueberries, just as many ingredients as we could source from our region as possible. And this was really at the beginning of the locavore movement. Um, Farmers markets were becoming much more of a mainstream thing and it was just perfect timing. And in 2012, there also weren't the endless number of um, energy and protein bars that exist today. Like now it's arguably the most competitive category within natural food. Um, But then it wasn't. So we really did stand out and we continue to stand out in that way and that we've retained um, those local suppliers. Many of the same suppliers we started with the farmer's market are still our suppliers today. And we've, we've grown their businesses because of our growth and also our, our process, our manufacturing process, um, is, is still very uh, high touch and, and has this incredible social impact um, ripple effect that, that happens uh, because we partner with social enterprises to run our production bakeries. So, um, and, that, and that happened in 2014. We started with our social enterprise model that allowed us to scale the company because as most founders know, when you're in the food product space at a certain point, you're going to have to hand off your manufacturing to somebody else. And it feels scary as hell, <laughs> um, but it's the only way that you can get out of the weeds and start growing your company. And that's what we did in 2012. Um, but instead of, or sorry, in 2014, but instead of going to, uh, you know, a big co-packer or a big manufacturing plant, we created this beautiful relationship with an organization here in Nova Scotia that employs folks who have barriers to the mainstream workforce. And um, they started making our bars for us. And that, you know, six years ago, they were making a few hundred bars uh, a week. And now they're doing, you know, 10, 20 times that. Uh, and, and we've scaled them up uh, as, as our growth has continued on. And it's just been, a, you know, a really beautiful partnership. 
Yeah, and I want to make this clear for everyone listening, because I think that some of these terms can be glossed over and to understand sure. it from a manufacturing or from a founding point of view is crucial. And you have a video on your website for everyone's listening that actually does a very good job. I'm very into visual interpretation of things like that. And this does a very good job of that as well. So for those of you listening, you want to hit it, hit that video up on madewithlocal.ca. But the um, every one of your products is handmade. It's that this mm -hmm. is not a machine made process, you know, and I think that that's crucial to understand as you start to ramp things up. And as you've outsourced, I think immediately when people go to outsourcing, they go to this, this um, industry manufacturing warehouse machine made moment, you know, that's just mm -hmm. what happens. And it's about quality control is it does it taste the same. And um, you have this very obvious link with the ethos and the philosophy of your company that it needs to be, you know, human um, touched, human intended. Um, your website states love, period, nourish, period, community, period. And it seems mm -hmm. like, you know, that you have um, stretched and, and really fought to maintain those three core aspects. And that's even through like the making and packaging of these things in the communities that you've outsourced to do that with. And I think it's kind of crucial. I want to get into, I am curious because this is a realm that I've never worked with or funded or done anything like that. Um, food is something I tend to stay away from. I study it from afar, you know, and I eat very well, but as far as making it um, in mass quantities, it'd be terrifying for me. I want to know how, when you started creating the products, there's so many things to consider right? There's, um, there's not just the source that it comes from, sustainability, agriculture, things that you've obviously considered, you know, being a B Corp and things like that. But what about allergies? How did you select flavors? What made you even go into bars? Did you, were you just making these on the side, like for funsies with your, you know, the recycling and education program? Like, how did all of it come to be as to that was the product that you were going to do? Right. So I, you know, I, I look back to 2012 when we first started and all of it was just like so pure, you know, and like innocent. Like I never imagined that I'd be running, you know, a seven figure company today. Like it's just, you know, and, yeah. and so the intentions in the beginning were just to create this really beautiful product using as many local ingredients as we could. And, and at the time I wasn't thinking about, Oh, you know, we should do raw bars instead of baked because that will be easier to scale, you know, or we should use this um, type of sweetener instead of this because, you know, it'll work better in equipment. Like there was never, like there was none of that conscious thought in the beginning because that just, yeah, really wasn't on my radar. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, allergens and key features, like the, the differentiator for us in the early days, and it continues to be so, is that we're using like literal food, <laughs> no food-like ingredients. So things like oats, peanut butter, honey, cranberries, fair trade organic dark chocolate, like real ingredients with no preservatives, no, no weird shit. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that, um, you know, we weren't, and, and, and local, right? Handmade, local, and real. Like these are the things that were going to differentiate us from the countless number of bars that sit on store shelves that are literally like kind of like a paste that's squeezed out of a tube and then just enrobed in some like weird chocolate-esque kind of layer. Mm -hmm. That is the vast majority of protein and energy bars that you're seeing in most grocery grocery store shelves. And, and there's a reason why there's so little variation in the flavor and texture of so many bars because they're all kind of squeezed out of the same 
extruder machines and you have to reverse engineer your formulations to work with the equipment. Um, the, the way that mass manufacturing is means that you are restricted to a certain type of texture and, and, uh, an ingredient stack. And, and we've just kind of, you know, said, screw that. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have so, to, they all taste, I have to say, um, I'm probably a, a little jaded. I'm not a fan of like n over 99% of the bars out there. I feel like yeah. they actually got worse after the launch, mm -hmm. you know, and then you had labels and different things. And I don't want to call people out, even the billionaires out there, because I'm not looking to hate on anyone, but even the ones with simple names, you know, that seemed like, like, like honest or whatever, like all of these different I taste them and they don't, they don't taste like anything that was on the label. I don't taste any mm -hmm. of the nuts in there. I don't taste any chocolate. I don't taste, it's just like sludge. I think you have the most perfect description for what I taste. It sound, it feels like something that came out of a tube, like astronauts. It, it literally is. Moon to live, yeah. you know, <laughs> like it was not intended to be like fresh from my organic farmhouse table. It was more like yeah, that type of, uh, it, that's what the experience feels like. And I think you train mm -hmm. yourself to like it. Like people who are very into bars, I have some girlfriends that are um, extreme athletes and it's a lot like that gel that they eat when they do their extreme running, they just mm -hmm. kind of slam them. It's not an experience of food. It's, it's different yeah. from eating. It's like, and that's kind of how they've trained themselves to have it. And so I agree with that. And I think what you're saying is right. That's the manufacturing piece that I got from your site that I was kind of educated into very briefly without putting identifying key factors to that. You did a really good job at just pointing out what you do and then bringing out an awareness in the viewer of what obviously is not being done with other people. You know, this, this mm -hmm. handmade, hand-touched, like it's very clear that that would make a difference between yours and someone else's. And to that end, I'm wondering, it sounds like your growth has been like organic, but also just like a ride you've like been piloting, but kind of as you fly like mm -hmm. this like pathway. And I'm wondering, because it has been this, you know, your growth has been this crazy trajectory from farmer's markets to now being available everywhere else. And then you have the, the COVID, you know, pandemic that reaches back into like online. First of all, are you available anywhere internationally? And is that on your horizon or sites? And is it possible given that your product is so handcrafted? Sure. Yeah, we are available online uh, to ship internationally. So folks in the U.S. can order through our e-commerce shop and we'll ship to your door. Easy peasy. And we are, you know, the expansion expansion into the U.S. is a couple of years out for us at this point. Um, my my intention with this company is to to go deep with the retailers uh, here in Canada first, because it's sustainable way of doing business and you know there's two ways to grow a company you either sell more in the same stores or you sell into more stores right and ideally yeah. you're doing both but um, what you see in a lot of um, in a lot of situations is distribution growth but not depth at retail and we excel at nourishing relationships with retailers like our independent health food stores we we love them, you know, we work very closely with them. We make sure that the staff have, have snacks to sample and that they really understand and, and experience the brand. And we, it just feels so much more rich as, as a brand and as a company. Um, and for me as a founder to know that we're focusing on really doing really well at, at, uh, at the stores that we're in before we 
take on the next, um, you know, whatever it be, chain or next market. So uh, that's our kind of two-year goal for now is to continue to to enrich the relationships here in Canada. Yeah. But you know, as has happened many times in our in our past so far, um, you're speaking to our growth trajectory. Like we get pulled along, and not that we're not pushing the pace. Of course we are, but there's lots of things that have come up for us where we've been pulled into the market by by incredible demand for our product. So. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. The intention for now, though, is is to be a Canadian brand for the next um, two years in terms of retail, but e-commerce is, is fair game. Yeah. I mean, you say, yeah, and you have a lot of like sage wisdom. And I wonder where, did you learn as you go? Did you enter, were you ever in an incubator? Where did you capture all of these little nuggets? You're like, you know, we want to develop this really solid home base. Like that's the number one thing that an investor would advise, you know, unless they mm. were trying to grow you too quickly and bankrupt you. Like, it's, it's to develop that really sturdy root threshold so that, you know, you have this base to kind of always return to. Um, where did you, did you take business courses? Because, I mean, as, as awesome as the education for recycling sounds like it would have tied into that and things of that nature, it feels like you've acquired a, a great deal more of education. Have, so what I'm curious about is, did you ever go through an incubator or um, any type of, you know, a, a like-minded system in Canada or um, any, take any business classes? Do you have a mentor you lean on? Anything like that? So I've never been part of an incubator. I've never taken a business class in university or college. Um, and I, I read a lot of books and I've had coaching. I've invested in coaching for myself consistently throughout the course of, of my entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, I've been at this for for a while, you know, eight years is not nothing, especially, yeah. um, you know, in, in this day and age where you see businesses kind of come out of the gates, guns blazing, and, you know, two or three years out, they're already looking to get acquired. And we're, we're again, like you mentioned earlier, on this kind of organic path. And I think, you know, ref this, this desire to form rich relationships is, is the culture of made with local as well, right? It's who I am as a person. You know, we yeah. form rich relationships within our company, with our suppliers, like love, nourish community. That's the community piece, right? We don't want to just blast in a load into, you know, hundreds of stores at a time and then just be like, cool, peace, see ya, good luck with those. <laughs> yeah. Like that doesn't work. Yeah. You have to nour nourish those relationships. And um, that. so it's just really, it's the cultural um, alignment that, that, we make sure touches all points of me with local, not just, you know, amongst our team members or our suppliers, but to the retail space as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts um, and have, have had some incredible coaches over the course of, of uh, my business. So that's cool. Yeah. Business coaching, mentorship. Like I think that that and good old fashioned reading, <laughs> it's mm. good to hear someone return to it. Um, I'm curious, I got on your site and I saw, um, the bars, and then you also have bar mixes. And, mm -hmm. um, and I'm wondering when the advent of those came along, I can't believe, it seems weird. I, I would think that in the beginning, you just had the bars, but I may, perhaps I'm wrong. And I would like to know when the bar mixes came along. And with that, if there is a, like a, a coming along another sibling with another product, or if you're just going to stay with those two for right now. Yeah, the bar mix has been something um, that we've had in kind of like a beta format for now about two years. Mm -hmm. I came up with the idea standing in my kitchen at home. I was making bars at home like two, two and a half years ago. Don't ask me why. I'm like, I have thousands of them in boxes in my office, but for some reason I was at home <laughs> making yeah. bars. And I was just thinking like, 
how annoying is this that I need to have all these little bags of different seeds and little odds and ends? And it's just like annoying and inconvenient, right? What if I could literally just dump a pouch into a bowl and make it like a cake mix and make granola bars? So that was my, my aha moment. Oh man, I could do that. So we launched our real food bar mix back um, in 2018. And it was, it was challenging to get off the ground. You know, it's a total first to market. Like there is no other granola bar mix in Canada at that point anywhere. Um, And just even now looking back, you know, the packaging wasn't descriptive enough. It wasn't educational enough. The name real food bar mix was like way too much of a mouthful um, (laughs) because it's not really descriptive either because people are like, just what is this thing? Um, So we, we iterated on that several times. And then just this year, um, in the last couple of months, I said, you know what, like, we've learned so much through these various iterations of the real food bar mix, like, let's, let's, you know, bring this baby together and completely fresh design of the packaging that includes photography of the finished product, we rebranded it to be called granola bar mix, because that's much more palatable. Yeah. And, uh, also happened to launch it in retail during a time when the Nielsen data was telling us that baking categories and grocery stores were experiencing like 7x growth. So we just launched it into a chain of grocery stores here in Canada called Loblaws. They have about 500 stores across Canada. And, you know, we all know in this COVID era, we were seeing the baking aisles ransacked, right? So we have this super awesome, perfected, tried and tested product that's now out on the market, our granola bar mix, uh, and ready for people to to enjoy. So auspicious, that timing. Yeah, I mean, right? uh, I know. unbelievable. That's amazing. And I do like it. I did, I saw it and I thought, this is, I like that. Like, I, I wonder why I hadn't seen more of it. And it seems more trustworthy when you're bar- with your bars. Like mm-hmm. I don't, the sludge we were talking about, the toothpaste, you know, the stuff mm-hmm. that's coming out of, you can't get that in its like baking mix format because then it would just be a whole bunch of different weird pastes labeled exactly. like fig, Powders. chocolate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Totally. It kind of points well, to your product. That granola bar mix is literally like a, the one-tenth batch size of our real of our real food bars. Like it is our recipe. We are teaching you how to make real food bars in your own kitchen. And that's something where so COVID had also shut down our product, our real food bar production facility here in Nova Scotia on March 13th. So three months ago, we lost all ability to make our packaged bars. Um, right. And it was terrifying because our grocery purchase orders were going through the roof and we were just like, you know, hands up being like, we don't have anything to sell you. Um, but again, just being able to, to really put the turbo charge behind the granola bar mix and for it to pick up the slack, so to speak, in that time was, yeah. was pretty amazing. And, you know, we were joking, like, we can't make our bars for you, but you can make our bars for yourself now. So yeah. the granola bar mix is... It was an amazing launch and it's ongoing still. It's really exciting. It is. It's clever and it's, um, it's necessary. It's cool that you came up with it, just doing it in your kitchen. I like the idea of, I thought about it because I am by no means a Martha Stewart, but I have a very creative brain or I would say it's um, a very like wandering brain. And so mm-hmm. um, when I saw it, I was like, Ooh, you could make them into any shape you wanted. You could do like a cube. You could do like a, a bunny mold. You could do like anything you wanted with when you're making your own bars, you know, you can kind of play around with different visual aspects that I thought are like, it's creative. It's cool. It Absolutely. Brings it back into like making it one zone. 
I like that. One thing that um, that's yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like we we talk to people and and have an entire uh, recipe section on our website, so people can look up recipes with fun and creative ways to make the granola bar mix. Super easy to make, like little energy balls. Um, we've had people around Christmas time do little gingerbread men. Like there's just so many fun ways yeah. to to play with it. And and my favorite thing about the granola bar mix, aside from it just being an amazing product, is um, again we've really embedded. Um, embedded our values right in the in the execution of this product in that um, you know when we're making our bars we know that there's literally love baked into them because we have these social enterprise partnerships but when you buy our granola bar mix to make it at home you're going to see on the preparation instructions on the back there's uh, step number four which includes uh, a little note about taking a 10 second pause to send vibes of, you know, love and gratitude into your bars. And then you just move on into, you know, pressing them into the pan and putting them in the oven. So we inspire uh, our customers in that moment when they're making our bars to, to take a little moment to be like, okay, you know what, this is, this is real food made by real people and I'm grateful for it. And just, yeah. you know, to, a little cute uh, prompt to take a little pause. So I love that. I, that and I, loving. I love it too. And I don't think it like, I would go beyond saying it's cute. Like I used to think I was the only one I would say I can taste angry food you mm. know, at restaurants, but I just felt like I could taste food where someone was just like, ugh, enough with that, you know, and I was 100%. always very sensitive to it. And I thought I was being frilly and stupid and silly and um, not stupid, just a little silly. And um, I was watching Top Chef and Tom Colicchio was like, that food tastes angry. And I was mm-hmm. like, ha, ha, I'm validated. This amazing American chef is like, nah, I can taste the anger in it. And it's like this hastiness with, he was describing even the chop value of the vegetable and things like that. But it's the antithesis or um, it's, it validates what you're saying with this intention. I think every wonderful chef from, you know, the home chef up to the, the greatest Michelin star would say like that intention and the accuracy and, and the the emotion flowing into it. You can absolutely, it's, it's an art. You can feel it. You can interpret mm-hmm. it as a person eating it later on. So um, I love that you put that in there. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I'm wondering um, with goals, we talked about how you want to like really root into your Canadian stronghold before you start branching too far out. But outside of that, have you looked at your next one to three years because of the COVID, you know, it started, it must have re-solidified this conversation with you where you're like, I'm really glad we launched the, you know, the mixes and things like that. Do you have any other goals on the next like one to three year horizon aside from um, like cementing into Canada with like product development or anything like that that you're going to look at? Or are you just going to stay on um, the path that you've kind of already described? Yeah, I, I'm really excited to continue on with developing some more products around this baking mix line. Um, I've, I've joked to some of my team about wanting to dig in on this concept of like millennial baking mixes, right? Like the baking yeah. category is super dusty and it's just, it needs to be, there needs to be some reinvigoration in the baking mix category because, you know, man, I, I know for sure that I can use some kitchen hacks in my life. And I, I love and I'm very committed to feeding my family simple, nourishing foods. But like, sometimes you just don't, you need help, you need a hack. Um, so I feel very strongly about um, creating some products that align and, and extend that product line uh, as our a granola bar mix is doing. Um, so from an R&D perspective, that's where my heart is kind of leading me right now. And then 
you know, other things that we're working on, um, on the manufacturing and our social impact side um, include creating a second production hub uh, in central Canada and in Ontario. And that's something that definitely bucks the trend also of large scale manufacturers where it's all about centralizing and efficiencies and, um, you know, it's just these massive food systems that um, are is efficiency over everything, right? And yeah. we've seen through COVID that these massive corporate archaic food systems get fucked up whenever yeah. things go sideways, right? Like yeah. look at all these meat packing plants and these huge conglomerates. Like as soon as there's something really dire happening in the world they can't they're not agile enough to respond and who's picking up the slack for that all the small farmers and food producers and entrepreneurs who can pop up an online shop in the night on shopify and all of a sudden can service their community or can bring their entire farmers market online and are now delivering thousands of boxes to their community every week like it's just incredible the agility of small scale decentralized food systems and that's something that we are using as our model to scale our production because you know people hear our story and they hear about how our bars are handmade and like the number one thing I get asked is well how are you going to scale that and it's <laughs> which is a valid question um and but and we have right we've we've successfully scaled the business to this point and instead of you know, deciding, okay, you know, we've gotten to here, but now it's time to finally, you know, take the big leap to, to full automation and a centralized plant. We are going to build out a second production hub with the model that we've created here in Atlantic Canada on the East Coast and, and replicate it with local farmers, local food producers, and a social enterprise in Central Canada that will service mar uh, customers in that market. So, um, you know, creating some redundancy, which is a good thing if you have a tight system yeah. and uh, engaging more farmers and food producers and also reducing our climate footprint because you're not shipping ingredients and finished product crisscrossing, you know, coast to coast, which is what we're currently doing. So that is something that we're working on right now. And, and we've identified a really amazing social enterprise partner in Toronto that uh, is oh, Toronto. Our, our new partner. Yeah. So and then it's really exciting. will it be Vancouver after that? Do you think? Will you yeah. Yeah. Theory? That's the plan. Nice. That sounds yeah. right. That's yeah. awesome. I love that idea. And I think you're completely right. You know, I think that it's, um, it is antithetical, but so is your entire company and it's working out mm -hmm. beautifully, you know, so mm -hmm. I say stay the course. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, our time is running out and we're to um, one of my favorite pieces of the podcast, which is um, I get to describe to you if you were at a safe, socially distanced place in a garden or a park tomorrow and a young woman or a female identified or non-binary individual um, anyone pretty much other than a cisgendered white man walked up to you and said, <clears throat> listen, Sheena, um, I, you know, I've, I've done my schooling. I've, I'm, I had kind of like this wonderful dream job. I was educating people and recycling environmental issues, but I'm going to, I'm going to launch this um, great startup. I, I'm not sure exactly where it's headed. I'm going to take it to the farmer's markets, this baked good situation, feel pretty confident in it. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual knowing what you know now? So number one would be like, 
mentorship and coaching is so critical. It has been critical to my journey. So I very early on um, was lucky enough to receive some funding that I could invest in, in a pretty high powered coach uh, who's now one of my, you know, a very close friend of mine. Um, it doesn't have to be like that. It can be, you know, coffee with a mentor, but, but finding um, mentorship is, I think, one of the most critical things because it can be really lonely. You know, entrepreneurship can feel very isolating and which is a crazy thing to say in this day and age where of course there's podcasts and Instagram and like more information than any of us really need. Um, but it can still feel isolating. And, I, and I've, I've been through that myself. So I would say mentorship is, is huge. Um, what else? Uh, you know, if we're talking about a product-based based, uh, product, I would say like have a, have a production um, uh, plan in place for, understanding how eventually you are, you will hand off your production when it's time for you to, you know, work on your business instead of in your business. It doesn't have to be something that happens right away. And I actually suggest to any entrepreneurs in food that you yourself are very invested and very involved in manufacturing in the early days, because then you intimately know your process and the costs associated with that, and then how to create and invest in efficiencies. Um, so that would be, you know, the succession plan out of, out of your own manufacturing is one thing I would say is really critical. And, um, you know, just being unabashedly your own brand, you know, keeping your blinders on to an extent on what other people yeah. are doing and just double down on what makes you, you and not being scared to use a voice in your brand that um, you haven't seen anywhere else because that will be your superpower. Yeah, absolutely. And it has been yours, at least I think. Um, it really is. I want people to get on your website because I, I really like, I think people will agree with me. I always think people will agree with me after I've explained myself. But I think in this case, they really will when they hit your website and kind of get a feel for the video and understanding. You guys do a great deal about talking about um, the ethos of your company. But okay, back to the advice. I have Mentorship and coaching is crucial in the beginning, number one. Number two, have a production succession plan in place for the future handoff, but be very aware of the process um, as you begin it yourself. Number three, be unabashedly um, proud of your own brand and aware. I love that. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think those three are so crucial. And they speak to, I think people really get lost sometimes in like these like, you know, make sure your funding's down, like all of these kind of crazy logistical things that for your story were um, possibly less crucial. And also like you lose the, the, the beauty and, you know, and the, the three, the love, nourish, and community, your three on, on your website, you know, in that. And with that, you lose um, the taste and you lose the flavor and you, you lose all of those things along the way. And, and with, um, your three with mentorship and production succession and um, really being unabashedly proud of your own brand and, um, and succinct with it is crucial. I love those three. I think they're perfect. And they describe you. You emulate them perfectly. Um, Sheena, we're out of time today, but I want to say thank you so much for um, meeting up with us and talking and walking us through Made with Local. I know you guys are really busy and I do appreciate your time. No, oh, thanks. This has been so fun. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, we've been talking with Sheena Russell. She is the founder and CEO of Made with Local. You can find out more on her website that I have touted nonstop. It is <laughs> www.madewithlocal.ca. You can order stuff online. At very least, get on and check out the company's story. Um, I 
frequently speak with a lot of companies I love, but I rarely meet with one that I can really get behind their ethos. And this is one of them. So I do appreciate it. And for everyone listening today, I appreciate you and your time. And until we speak again next time, remember to stay safe, eat well, and always bet on yourself. Slunch. Thank you.